0: Welcome back for another episode of Clean Tech Talk, where we at Cleantechnica interview clean tech leaders from around the world. With topics ranging from electric cars to climate change communication, you can listen to our full podcast series by visiting our website at cleantechnica.com.
1: Hi, everyone. Welcome to another Clean Technica Roundtable discussion. I am Joe Boris here with Zachary Shahan and the great Steve Hanley. And uh, today we're going to be talking about Basically, electric cars, because that's what we talk about in these things, but we're going to specifically focus on the kind of explosion of BEV sales overseas in China, in Southeast Asia, and and just the numbers there are just so staggering. And then after that, not going to give too much away, but we're going to talk about a car that we've all been waiting for, uh, particularly Steve, for at least the last 10 years. So, uh, Zachary, why don't you lead us off with some of the numbers?
2: Yeah, a non-car car. car. We'll, We'll just tease it a little bit here. But, a non yeah. a
1: non-car car car.
2: <laughs> yeah. Well, well, we have China and Europe have been exploding in BEV BEV sales, that's fully electric vehicle sales, which actually are deliveries sales. We don't really know, that's what, you know, people buy, order a car and we you know, it's not until it's delivered that it's really what we call a sale. So, that's, that's what we're critical, doing. But that's critical,
1: right? Because yes, we're, we're I are talking mean, about, I mean, we'll get to this in a minute. I'm, I, I'm sorry to cut you off. But like, you know, we talk about these companies like Rivian has 50,000 pre-orders and, you know, Tesla has however many, you know, 100,000 pre-orders for their Cybertruck. But that's not a sale.
2: No, no, no. And I mean, a sale would be like a full, like you've paid the full price for the vehicle. Yeah. And we don't really, nobody puts that data out there. What we get is the, the delivery data. When people have ordered a v- an EV these days, it often takes a year to get it. So it's like we're not really seeing the current demand. We're seeing basically whatever all the automakers are able to supply because it's like nobody is nobody's <laughs> having to find customers. They're all, they're all overpacked with customer demand and lack of supply. But with that sort of context, just making sure everybody's on the same page, let's look at the deliveries, recent deliveries of fully electric vehicles. And we, we recently got, you know, basically first half of the year, a number of interesting automakers. Of course, you have Tesla at the top with uh, 564,000. Is that correct? Yes, that's correct. In the first half of the year, that's so they sold heart. over half a million full electric vehicles. And somewhere, <laughs> yeah, so somewhere below that, we have 217,000 from Volkswagen Group. So, you know, not half, you know, not quite, but not quite half as many, maybe about, you know, you could say 40%. Now, but that's Volkswagen
1: Group. It's important to notice Volkswagen Group is not just Volkswagen. It's Volkswagen, Audi and Porsche.
2: Yeah. And go ahead. we, We can get to the other. Well, I'll just give a little more context. So you have... Xpeng and Neo are full electric smart electric vehicle startups in China that are doing very well there. And they've Xpeng had almost seventy thousand for that time period, and Neo fifty one thousand. So together about one hundred thirty thousand. And then there's also BYD, which is an interesting case because they sell a lot of they still sell a lot of plug-in hybrids, but they they are also selling a lot of full electrics. So we'll come back to them maybe later in the show but basically they're they're up there consistently in the in the top of the market but let's go ahead and focus a little bit on Volkswagen group so Steve or Joe one of you can come, jump in and talk about sort of you know how they've gotten from uh, you know dieselgate to 217,000 full electric vehicles in half a year
1: well i mean yeah it's kind of a long process right so you know dieselgate for those of you who don't remember dieselgate was a, essentially there was a software device that would de- detect when the vehicle was in dyno mode Dyno mode is the the mode that the vehicle operates in when it's being tested when they're doing, you know, EPA testing and they're doing DOT testing and they're telling you how much horsepower a car gets or how much miles per gallon it gets. They don't drive these things out on the highway with somebody going, well, we put in $20 and that was 200 miles ago and gas was four eighty nine dollars a gallon. Like they do this on a, a rolling test bed called a dyno. And when these vehicles were being put on a dyno without any kind of software mode telling it that it was on a dyno, It would freak out because the wheels would be spinning at different speeds. The GPS wouldn't indicate the traveled speed. So there was a lot of systems in there that would throw errors and throw codes. So to turn all that off, there was a mode you could put the car in and it would say, okay, the car's in dyno mode now. So you don't have to worry about the anti-lock brake system freaking out or any of that. It's just going to run the engine and and the transmission and drivetrain. And that's just going to give you your results. And as you put the car into that dyno mode, the engine software would lean back the fuel, would kick on a secondary air pump to essentially re-clean the exhaust emissions, and it would pass the federal emission standards. And what eventually happened was somebody was trying to do a real world test and compare it to the EPA's numbers. And it wasn't anything nefarious suspected, it was just trying to verify the data and of course, you can't drive the car all over the place in dyno mode, or these guys didn't know that. And they got really, really different numbers. And that was kind of what led to everybody looking into these diesel vehicles and the engine control software that was there and discovering these emissions cheat modes. And it wasn't just Volkswagen, right?
2: Yeah, I, I was not really thinking it's a deep history of diesel. <laughs> well, I you was... said, how do we get from diesel gate <laughs> to here? so because i mean this is, mean, gate, the, this is yeah. how it works <laughs> i was just thinking they were basically at like they had no ev program i mean they had very limited ev program right and out of dieselgate yeah they they got a very strong focus i don't know it was, Steve, do you want to talk about the launch of their? now that Joe gave the background on Dieselgate, which was very good summary, off the cuff summary of Dieselgate. I was like, that's you're impressive. welcome. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, that's not what I was expecting. But that is a very good off the cuff summary of Dieselgate. Steve, <laughs> Steve, do you want to jump in with sort of how Volkswagen Group spun itself out of that trauma and that scandal? I know you've you've covered it all all along the way.
0: Yeah, Zach. Basically, the answer is Howard Dice. Is is that the right
2: name? The CEO of... Oh, Herbert Herbert Dice. Herbert Dice. Howard Dice. Yes, Herbert Dice. Howard Howard is probably one of his deep relatives. I don't know. Yeah.
0: Herbert Dice was a senior manager uh, uh, at BMW, and he got hired away by Volkswagen and he got hired away with the express purpose of making Volkswagen an electric vehicle company and that he has done his job exceptionally well he's stepped on a few toes he's made some enemies on the v, uh, VW board he was originally hired to be not only the CEO of Volkswagen group which includes Audi Porsche Skoda and uh, MAN and Scania and uh, Stay oh, Look at
2: these. Seat, um, Cupra.
0: Yes. And he, um, last year, he got, he got slapped around by the board because he made a statement saying that the manufacture of electric vehicles was going to lead to a decrease in, in manufacturing jobs of 30,000 workers. And that got the Works Council very upset. And there was a, a huge confab that involved all of the muckety mucks at Volkswagen and they stripped Dice, or Dice of his role as head of Volkswagen cars and left him in charge of Volkswagen Group. But what Dice has done, I did an article recently that said that Dice was the one who put the idea in the head of the CEO of Cattle, C-A-T-L, to start producing lithium-ion batteries for electric
2: vehicles. Wow, Cattle is the biggest EV battery producer in the world. Chinese company, they are critical to where we are today in the EV transition. Joe, can you? Is it dice or dies or something else? Do you know?
1: You're gonna ask the Spanish kid how to do a German pronunciation.
2: Oh, you, you, you're in the industry more than either of us. Yeah, I think it's. I think would, it's, I think it's dice. DICE. These? Yeah,
1: I, I think it's dies, but, I, you know, everybody said Dice with such confidence. I'm I'm going to roll with it.
2: I think it's just, oh, you're going to roll. Oh, <laughs> look at that pun. I'm going to roll with it. Yeah. No, I was getting I confused about I him talking about you. Dice. I was like, what Dice are you talking about? But that's how I pronounce it in my head as well, Dice. But I think your correct German would be probably dies. But uh...
0: if, you, if you ask somebody who speaks German, they would probably tell you we're all wrong.
2: Yes, exactly. And Ben should have been on this call with us. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, let's get. Point. Let's it's ignore the
1: german guy <laughs> yeah
2: anyway yeah that's a good yeah, that's a fascinating and, it, and it's a little bit like it was a little bit there was a point in time i think last year where it looked like dice slash d slash uh, herbert was call him herbert where it looked like herbert might get totally kicked out of volkswagen group because a lot of unhappy people and he sort of became like one of the biggest <laughs> tesla fanboys out there <laughs> he was very big on highlighting tesla's leadership and bringing elon into like internal uh manager volkswagen group manager meetings and stuff and it was that's a, right there was, was conversation
1: whole, about bringing elon oh, he, musk he brought on him in
2: run. yeah they had a big meeting with these like global meeting with managers across the company and and elon was the special guest who was there to like <laughs> i don't know you know talk about what they should be doing and pat herbert on the back and you know you know they had a kind of bromance going and i i think it was i think it was i think it was a good call i think it was a smart move it was a little bit funny at times and very risky i would say but he he's mostly come through i mean he lost the ceo position at volkswagen cars like you said but i think he's done well and he's i think his his vision of electrifying as fast as possible has has been a struggle to convince the rest of the company of, but he's done a pretty good job of pushing it through. Steve, do you have any more words on that? And then Joe, jump in with that kind of transition statement.
0: Well, he he um, sees the entire transition to electric vehicles as being just a part of an entire ecosystem of reducing the emissions associated with producing automobiles. Uh, just, just noticed the other day that since 2017, all of the electricity that is used to run the Zwickau factory, which is where the uh, the main uh, factory um, in the state of Saxony is that manufactures the ID3 and the ID4, uh, all of the electricity is is sourced from renewable sources. Some of it is on site, and some of it is uh, uh, what they they have contracted for with the local grid operators but they have absolutely made a commitment to lower the total lifetime emissions, uh, as we say, well to wheel. Everything that goes into making the car, everything that goes into driving the car, and looking to the future of what happens at the end of life when the car is no longer useful, recycling its essential components so that they can be reused and, and put back into making new automobiles. It's really, he's a visionary. Uh, visionaries often uh, run up against uh, objections from people who are more realistic and say, well, we can't do this and we can't do that. And he is absolutely laser focused on his mission. And he is going to be the head of Volkswagen Group until somebody in the management or ownership group says we've had enough of this guy and kick him out, but it looks like he's there to stay.
2: And Steve was, yeah. in, Steve was in that factory, by the way, and may have gotten some free cheese and stuff. I don't know, but for the launch, the, the started production of the ID three, Volkswagen ID three, but uh, Joe jump in. You've got some great comments here.
1: Yeah. So, you know, one of the things that I like about these is he understood when at, at looking at the overall Volkswagen group, he understood that electric cars are a premium market play. In other words, electric cars succeed with the mainstream audience and with that that mass adoption group, not when you talk about environmentalism or efficiency or cost savings, but they really succeed when you talk about how EVs are better and Deese understood what Tesla did he understood what Elon Musk did by building a car that was you know for that higher income bracket for that higher level of you know spender and vehicle enthusiast that was willing to be an early adopter and he's letting those costs trickle down and, and bring that down in a, like a, just a standard Rojets you know diffusion of innovations type marketing curve where, you know, when you see like the Nissan Leaf play or the original Mitsubishi IMEV, that was a completely different type of play. And Deese understood that. And that's why he led the charge to electrification with Porsche, with Audi, with Bentley, with, you know, the Bentayga plug-in. And now they're announcing their first new full battery electric. Those are the, the high-end brands that people aspire to, that people look at and go, man, that's what's cool right now. And by making those things electric, you know, you don't build, you know, what's his name? Bob Lutz said something great in the nineties. He said, we don't build Dodge Vipers to sell Dodge Vipers. We build Dodge Vipers to sell Dodge Neons. So these electric Porsches, that's what's driving that desire and that marketability and that branding of the ID threes and the ID fours. I think it's just brilliant.
2: I like the I like the way you, you worded that Bob Lutz. He said something great in the nineties. <laughs>
1: The guy's like one hundred and fifty thousand years old, and unlike Steve Hanley, Since the 90s, it's not... <laughs> yeah, Steve continues to be relevant. Bob Lutz does not.
2: Anyway, yeah, that's I think that's a great intro on what Volkswagen has done. So now let's look at the numbers. So, the numbers which Steve and I both recently reported on is that Volkswagen Group EV BEV sales were up twenty seven percent year over year, which is not really spectacular in the first half of 2021 versus the first half of 2020. But it is growth and it does put Volkswagen Group's BEV sales at 217,000. I looked up BYD and we don't have June's numbers yet, but it looks like the total for the first half of the year should be a bit more than 300,000 for BYD for full electric vehicles. So you have Tesla at 560,000, BYD at maybe a 310,000 and Volkswagen Group at 220,000. So While Volkswagen Group is not nearly at Tesla's level or even BYD's level, it is selling, you know, a decent portion of BEVs and it's introducing new models and ramping up capacity and getting hopefully more batteries from from cattle. So where are we going into the future with Volkswagen Group? Do you guys think? And I'll let uh, Steve start here.
0: Well, I think one interesting thing is that they are focusing more than other companies, other than, well, Anna, with one caveat and I'll get to that in a minute, they are focusing on the less expensive, um, vehicles, particularly, uh, the, this, the Seat brand that's, uh, and the Cupra that are built in Spain, they've made major commitments to build new battery factories and manufacturing facilities in Spain although there was a little bit of arm twisting there. Uh, Herbert uh, went there, well, I think it was about eight months ago and basically threatened the Spanish government, if you don't give us some subsidies, we're not gonna build these factories and they're really important for your, uh, for your manufacturing base. And the Spanish government said, okay, you can have the money. And they followed through and they're building there and they're gonna be building cars that are uh, more affordable than uh, uh, most of the other companies that are that are uh, building cars today. And the caveat I wanted to mention is that GM, which is not a company that we generally have good things to say about, is in fact building cars for people that can uh, not necessarily afford the Volvos and the Hummers and uh, the the Ford F-150 Lightning and the new Chevy uh, Silverado EV. The new Blazer is supposed to be introduced today. We don't have official pricing on it yet, but it looks as though it's going to be somewhere in the vicinity of the lower thirties, which is you know half the price of a uh, of a Tesla Model Y. That's pretty exciting.
1: Yeah, I, I think that's worth bringing up as well. And and I wonder how that's going to play out because a lot of this comes down to you know the hardware that's involved right so even though you're talking about GM with the Ultium base or Volkswagen with the MEB or even Hyundai with their new platform you know you're looking at 800 volt architectures but also 400 volt and that 400 volt system seems to be where a lot of these affordable cars live and it's a little bit slower charging time but again you're you're kind of making that trade off you're saying it's going to be less money but we're going to have to give up something But I I do agree with you on all counts. The only thing that I might, and I wouldn't even call this a a disagreement, I would say yes, and rather than yes, but. So yes, and even with Seat and Cupra, they're kind of trying to bring that Cupra brand and make it a more premium brand so that they can take Cupra into markets like Spain, markets like Italy, and put it up against that Alfa Romeo versus Seat being more up against the Fiat.
2: Yeah, yeah.
1: I love how Zachary unmuted himself to say, yeah, yeah. And then muted himself again. No, I just,
2: I really, I, <laughs> I didn't want to interrupt you. I I, I mean, like, I don't, I don't want to take over from you. I just, uh, I re- <laughs> really want to emphasize that because I think the Cupra, the Cupra born, uh, the EV that they're putting out looks amazing. looks really hot. And I think they're really, you know, it's not, they're not, they're not trying to entice people by this is the cheapest, littlest car you can buy. They're like, this is a wicked, badass car. You want this? Come get it. And I think uh, I think even with the ID4, ID3, that that are and the Skoda Enyaq, all of which sort of appeal to the budget cons- consumer more. Even with all of them, they still have premium kind of design and features that you know it's, they they're trying to balance between you know hey you can, this is a cool this is a really cool EV and it's it's affordable. But yeah, I don't I, I can come back. I mean I'll just say on in the U.S. market the ID4 is especially a very competitive vehicle because it's a lot cheaper than a tesla model y with similar kind of capabilities and and still the the tax credit is available the 7500 tax credit
1: that's and, a really good point yeah. right because yeah. we still have that 7 7500 tax credit and now there's three we've been saying now for a couple of years tesla has has gone past it, general motors has gone past it and now toyota and i think what's wild about that is nissan introduced the leaf like in 2010 and i think they still get the tax credit right like they still haven't sold 200 000 of those things
2: yeah, yeah poor me <laughs> i don't know how that's possible really
1: you know why and again because we were just talking about it you know we we're talking about that premium market and making these things attractive right in the united states a high mile per gallon compact hatchback has never sold well it doesn't matter who made it doesn't matter if it was like the Honda Fit or the Toyota, you know, the original uh, Yaris or Tercel, like those never sold well. The least, you know, I got into this with Ben the other day where, you know, in in America, the least expensive model from Ford, Chevy, Honda, Toyota, Mercedes, you name it, that is not their best-selling car. You do not have this, you know, lower price equals higher demand equation balancing out here. And the Nissan LEAF, Has always been that it's always been this kind of small, subcompact, high efficiency play. And you know, it was in addition to those things, it was virtue signaling to you know people who kind of got it, but by the time it came out, you could virtue signal with a Tesla Model S or you could virtue signal with a Nissan Leaf. And if you could afford either one, it was kind of a no brainer which one you were going to buy.
0: Steve, do you want to jump in? I I just uh... Having owned a Nissan LEAF and uh, actually thought it was a pretty nice car for the money, I just read recently that it's being phased out. Not right away, but in the next two or three years, it's just going to go away.
1: Well, it's based on the Chatmo architecture, and that's not being supported anywhere.
2: Yeah, and I helped my, my mom at a Leaf for a few years, and I agree. I mean, I thought it had actually phenomenal storage uh, space and drove nicely, had a nice interior. I... You know I I completely agree with what you're saying Joe but it's also still and I think Steve would agree with me a little bit of a mystery why the. US can't can't accept you know efficient cars that serve all your needs and I aren't, mean aren't we, giants we have- on wheels but but you know the European market does you know sell a lot more of those I think still the point is that there's still a lot of room in the below Tesla market i mean the, the highest selling vehicles the RAV4 the Honda Accord the Honda Civic the you know the Camry these vehicles you know they are not as expensive as a base Tesla anymore and the the nice place where Volkswagen has been filling in there is that they have the ID4 which serves you know the needs of of many Americans what a lot of Americans want while offering lower lower price still they uh, i think eight percent of volkswagen groups bev sales were in the u.s i think 60 percent were in europe or i have to double yeah double check that's that's correct yeah and and yeah and then 29 percent in china and basically china is where they were really struggling to get their bev sales going and they've got made some progress this year now in the first half of this year the u.s market at eight percent seventeen thousand vehicles it's just hard to see it, you know, increasing much because all these automakers have only so much supply and they have to sell more in Europe and China. So U S is just like an afterthought. It's like, but still, you know, I'm, I've, i swear I'm seeing new ID fours all you know, all, like every week here, every, every, I see a lot of new ones on the road here in Southwest Florida. And I think that's exciting just to see that it's filling that gap a little bit more. Maybe now we can jump into the Volkswagen model that, we've all been waiting a decade for and is finally coming out, but it's coming out at a not very affordable price. I will let Joe start off with this one, but we're talking about the ID buzz.
1: Yeah. The ID buzz is sort of the reborn, you know, type two bus that California camper van. And, you know, it's, it's other than the beetle, it's probably the most iconic VW to not just the boomers and Gen X, but like everybody, right? Like we all, have seen a movie or a TV show where like the cool guy drives a VW van and he's like a surfer dude and he's like into it. So it's a really neat thing. And it's been kind of teased now for, I think at least 10 years. I I think the first article I wrote about it was like 2010. and, And that was a really long time ago. And it's just been teased and teased and teased. And it's finally here, but kind of as Zach alluded to, and, and Steve mentioned earlier, this is this is not an, a, an affordable everyman kind of ride. Is it, Steve?
2: And Steve can probably talk a little bit more to what made, I mean, I agree that the, I, that the original Volkswagen but I think it's one of the most iconic vehicles of any brand. Like it's just one of the only vehicles that really stands out in cultural history and, and consciousness, I think. But Steve, you can maybe talk a little bit about what a, what was so appealing about that bus and what you think of that buzz in relation to that as well.
0: Well, the appeal of the original Volkswagen bus was that it offered, it, uh, it was a rolling do anything vehicle. You could, you could sleep in it. You could camp in it. You could go cross country in it. It, it had, I think originally it started with a 36 horsepower engine. It was painfully slow. It was uh, uh shifting it was like stirring porridge with a wooden spoon it was it had had absolutely no handling whatsoever it had difficulty climbing hills if you were going out west of denver and trying to go up to the eisenhower pass you you you, everything would pass you including uh uh, diesel buses and and semi-trailers it was not a very good car
2: this sounds amazing steve
0: And it, but what it was, it it for some reason captured the vibe of the Woodstock moment. It was it was the vehicle, uh, the peace, love, and and uh, uh, the age of Aquarius vehicle for a lot of people. It was really not a very good automobile, but it was a heck of a of a social symbol.
1: I mean, all of that sounds awesome, but, you know, th- there's a question of what makes a car a good car, right? And, and I, I had this conversation with somebody fairly recently, you know, they found out through through some twist and turn of conversation that I had owned three Lancias in my life, which is, for those of you in the U.S. who've never heard of it, it's like an Italian sort of sporty car brand. it's like, you know, Fiat is to lancia the way buick is to chevy it's made by the same company it's a little bit nicer not quite as nice as a ferrari or anything but it's just like a little bit nicer and they were just garbage cars they would break down constantly they would rust if you looked at them wrong this you know i think the seats were made from sick cow leather like those those cows were they were not well cows and they used silk thread to tie the leather seats so if you drop down in them too hard it would just immediately split because the silk would tear right through the leather so again horrible horrible crappy little cars and i would buy another one in a minute because like all of the great stories and memories and weirdness that comes from having a car like that kind of you know endears it to you right like as you get older you don't think back and go Man, that thing was super efficient and got me where I needed to go. You think about the fun times that you had in it. And I think that some of that is what's driving that nostalgia for the bus. So
2: we have a couple of issues with it. I mean, it is not a cheap vehicle. It seems like it could actually still be very appealing for people who bought the original. And then, you know, they've paired the release with like pictures of C- C-3PO and R2-D2. You know, they're they're really pulling on our strings. <laughs> I don't, I'm rambling now, but I mean, basically they're nailing it, but it's just very expensive.
1: (laughs) Well, I mean, they are nailing it, but, you know, to your point, you are looking at that, you know, baby boomer generation and, and the elder millennials and Gen Xers who do have a little bit more income to buy this thing. You know, if I show this to my, my 20 year old college kid, he's not, going to care, right? Like he didn't grow up in one. His dad didn't have one. He never went to the beach in one. I don't even know if he ever saw a movie with one of these things in it. And even if he did and he loved it, it, $40,000 is just as unobtainable to him as $70,000. So why not make it a premium product that's going to appeal to people? Why not make it something that is going to be rare, that is going to be special? And, you know, we talk about this being a $70,000 car, I mean, that's what the Volvo is. That's what the Model Y is. It, it's kind of right in that right in that mode. And if you look at it compared to a Model X, I think it's actually more affordable, isn't it?
0: I'm not sure comparing it to the Model X is is, is a fair comparison. I don't. I, I. to me, they're not they're not uh, comparable at all.
1: Really? I mean, I look at the Model X and I think it's a minivan, like a hundred percent. I, in my little suburban jungle, that's who drives it. Soccer moms yeah, but- drive the Model X.
2: But the x has way more range and power so it's not really yeah it's, not, it's, it's yeah it's like, it's like probably double the range and power so it's like yeah but Steve go ahead what, what do you you must have been uh must have some thoughts on all of this uh Mr. Hanley
0: well frankly uh unless there's something that I don't know which is entirely possible the ID buzz is not all that different than the ID four and why it costs $20,000 more. is just a mystery to me.
1: You're saying mechanically, it's not all that different,
2: but then there's the exactly. body and all that. And the...
1: I mean, but you could make the same argument for any Audi versus Volkswagen, you know, mechanically, is there any real difference between an a six or a Passat? No, not really. But the Audi is going to be $20,000 more. You know, we've been having this conversation since the Cadillac Cimarron, right?
2: Well, you know, I will say, when I talked to a Volkswagen executive at a conference maybe five or six years ago about this vehicle. And I was, exp- you know, expressing how much people were interested in it. And he was like, yeah, but how many people would buy it? And they are they were struggling at the board level and executive level with, okay, people like it a lot, but how many will buy it? And I think they have never really put a lot of faith into it being a mass mass market of vehicle a high seller and if you don't have you know high volume then you have higher costs because if you don't spread out the cost as much and i think that's a mistake personally but i also understand where they're coming from because yeah everybody can say oh i love that but who's gonna buy it i don't know and i don't know and in the u.s like as far as i understand it's not even going to be a dealer you're going to have to order it which joe and i did a whole (laughs) episode of Clean Tech talk on on custom ordering vehicles but still that's that's not really showing a lot of faith in uh consumer interests or you know or willingness to sell it at high volumes across seas or anywhere so i you know i i feel like it's a little bit of a victim of lack of faith in the in the idea but i don't really It's hard to understand that because you see how many people want it and you see the kind of interest in it that you see like for Tesla vehicles. You kind of of have this extreme fandom that I think is very powerful and maybe not quite fully captured by Volkswagen Group. I mean, I I don't do their market research, so I'm probably just being stupid. But at the same time, I see what I see and I see a lot of people who love who have been really interested in this vehicle.
1: I, I think it is a challenge, though, because, you know, what is the how many of us know somebody who's interested in a couple of EVs who has a couple of deposits out there you know they've got a deposit on a Cybertruck they've got a deposit on a Rivian they also have a deposit on you know something else and they're just kind of waiting to see which one comes out first right and then they just don't buy the other ones or whatever it is I know two or three people that are in that boat. I might be. Yeah, no, that's very, that's
2: very accurate. And I see, I see the same. Yeah.
1: So like, you know, let's say that there's a couple of people who put their deposit down on this. Is it a car that they're going to be able to get to market fast enough to kind of beat those F-150 Lightning guys? But I I don't know if it's the same buyer. I really don't.
2: Steve chime in in a minute. But I mean, I also think it comes down to which of these do you, do they want the most? And, you know, some people, it's going to be the Cybertruck, some the Rivian. I think there's a healthy number of people who would most want an ID Buzz if it was within their budget. You know, I I just, it's got that cultural history that nothing else has. They've nailed the futuristic design, meshing the, the future with the past, in my opinion. I, I mean, it is a bit limited on range. It doesn't have, it has a 258 miles of range, the European WLTP system. So that's, that's, uh, that's basically the standard range model three, even the standard range model three, I think has more now. So it's pretty limited, but at the same time, you don't, I mean, nobody's not that many buyers are going to go cross country with it. You know, they're, they're going to drive it around town to the beach, you know, enjoy it as they, you know, enjoy their pretty laid back life. Presumably a lot of the buyers. (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah like, I,
0: it'll be like, interesting um, i wrote for years i wrote an article like every two months about oh the id buzz is coming the id buzz is coming this is a very exciting vehicle and they had oh my gosh they had the most wonderful pictures and people sitting with the doors open and the sunset behind them and the surfboards on the roof you know, half the people that are in woodstock are dead so i'm not <laughs> sure that. It,
1: <laughs> <laughs> Tell us more good news, Steve. <laughs> no, but it's true.
2: I, I don't. I, I don't See, What do we say about going down that road? No,
0: I'm just I, And I'm I'm part of that cohort, so I'm I'm especially uh, uh, attuned to this. I don't I don't think people today remember the Volkswagen bus the way uh, the people at Woodstock remembered it. The the, uh, the the flower power and the smoking dope and the and, and running around and half naked i mean we don't do that stuff anymore
2: i just I'm i know so I've, I've said it before that. i don't know you know i'm 40 and it it has that like it is like i want that vehicle it has all of those elements that just like oh i want this iconic vehicle new version of it and what i'm sure exactly? I'm,
0: what elements does it have What tugs at your heartstrings with this vehicle?
2: I don't know. There's just something about it. You're just like, wow, that is like, uh, that's the the iconic Volkswagen bus, but it's a new electric version. And I think that's a pretty, you know, I see a lot of younger people, not just people who lived with it, who have the same response to it. I mean, Joe, maybe- But
1: is is the Volkswagen ID Buzz the successor to the VW bus or is something like the Canoe- the real successor or
0: that that thing that we talked about last week joe that that uh the, the camper van that's the, the uh, i can't even remember the name oh of the it.
1: little tiny one yeah yeah yeah, yeah. I, I remember the name of yeah I, you know something that's accessible because that was part of the, of the original <laughs> appeal of the of the first one was that like if you had any kind of job you could afford a vw bus right like it wasn't it wasn't an especially pricey car in its day.
2: Yeah, no, I mean, I think those are two different things. I mean, there's that, you know, serving the practical low-cost uh, market and there's the, you know, serving people who just want that, you know, that, that, that cool uh, cultural image. And I think, I mean, when it comes down to it though, $70,000 for an EV with 250 miles of range, I think is going to mean pretty limited... Uh, sales like I, I don't you know I think people are going to look at the compare range of different vehicles that they like at that price point and it's not the best performing so, but so I don't that, know
0: that 250 miles of range is that WLTP
2: yes yes
0: well then it's going to be under 200 EPA
2: yeah, yeah. and well it depends like those can those are complicated now but but in any case a real world highway range would not be great it would be you know and you don't have a supercharger network which is you know in the u.s especially but i don't know but uh yeah i, I think i've said my piece on it i i i'm obviously very interested in it but i'll let you guys have any final words on that and then maybe I, we can have some closing comments on the canoe if you yeah want to close on that that news too yeah up, i i think
1: if that's
0: interesting up to me i would bring the id3 to america but maybe i'm just totally out of the mainstream it's, I had I had hatchback cars for a number of years. I thought they were the greatest thing to, since sliced bread. I just love a hatchback. Americans won't buy them. I don't know
1: why. <laughs> so Zach, I, I have one one last question in closing as we talk about the ID Buzz before we move on to another topic. So you're interested in it. It tugs at your heartstrings. Are you going to buy one?
2: It would be a serious uh, consideration uh, for when I got a new vehicle. I mean. Right now, you know the supercharger network in the U.S. makes a Tesla that much more appealing. Tesla. Yeah. You know, well, President other- Biden
1: yeah. said we can all use the Tesla network now.
2: Yeah, I just wrote about this that you know <laughs> that Tesla's apparently producing hardware to open up the network to more EVs uh, up in Buffalo. Its factory in Buffalo, White House mentioned in a press release, and they've been opening it up across uh, several countries in Europe, but. But still, I mean, I, I would just have to, I'm not looking to sell my model to, to change from our the Model 3 we bought a few years ago to anything anytime soon. But if I, w- once I was on the market again, the ID Buzz would be one of a few EVs I would seriously consider. I would de- definitely, definitely would be in the running. I don't, I don't know if I would end up choosing it or not, but it would be definitely one of the options. There you go. Well, I can
0: tell you from my own personal experience. If I suggested to my wife that we get rid of our Model Y and buy an ID Buzz, she'd probably divorce me. <laughs>
2: oh. But I would also say, at seventy four thousand dollars, I'm not buying it. It's like, that's just, that's outside. I'm not buying a vehicle that expensive. So that that's that kills it. Unless they lower the cost somehow. But yeah, that's the problem.
1: You mean they don't? Volkswagen's not going to send you a free one that you can.
2: Well, you know, yeah, we should Katika try for that. <laughs> we yeah, definitely. why not? We need to we need to jump from you know three day reviews to one year reviews. The
1: the worst they can say is no, right?
2: Yeah, I'd be happy to test drive one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there he is. <laughs> he's alive. There he comes. Yeah. Now he's ready to talk so, nice about it. All yeah. Of a
1: <laughs> so so I think let, let's wrap this okay. up. I you know I know that we're we're getting yes. to the end of our our time contract here, so I want to wrap it up real quick. But I I do want to kind of plant the seed for a conversation next week. You know, Rivian and, or I'm sorry, not Rivian. Rivian and Amazon are well connected to each other. Walmart made big news last week when they ordered 4,500 of Canoe's little vans. But there was an SEC filing that came out after that that said, uh, you know, Amazon is has agreed to buy 61 million shares of Canoe common stock at 215 a share. It was an option to buy. And, uh, you know, now, right now, I think Canoe is trading at 467. So they're going to exercise that option to get a 50% discount there. And that's going to make Walmart a, uh, a major shareholder of Canoe. So the question is, and, and I think in the next couple of days, as we see this play out and we see, you know, the, the shares change hands and, and this kind of relationship get more formalized. The question is, is Walmart going after Rivian? Are they looking at it as, you know, Amazon has a car company. We need to have a car company too.
0: Well, just to put a little tail on that, I read a piece this week that said that Warren Buffett had dumped all of his shares in BYD. Nobody knows why.
2: Oh, well, he never wanted to be in there anyway. It was, it was Munger that convinced him, sort of tricked him into it. But anyway, that's a different story for a different day. But yeah, I I mean, I'm fascinated by that, what, that news with Canoe. I've always thought Canoe is interesting, but there's so many of these EV startups that, you know, come and go, they have partnerships, they have big press releases, and then they disappear, or they, they collapse. So yeah. it's always been like, okay, well, we'll see when you get to market. But this is the kind of news that is like, you know, sort of like, oh, yeah, so let's look more closely, because that is a big deal. I've, I really like the connection you made with Amazon, Walmart, you know, trying to basically follow in its footsteps yeah we definitely talk more about canoe in a, in a future episode
1: yeah i think we will talk about that we'll talk about waymo and zooks and i think the next one we want to talk about i think is cruise right because cruise is having they're having a tough month <laughs> pr wise <laughs> we'll just leave it at that in case gm's about to send us a car for a year
2: <laughs> yeah any final thoughts steve i was just wondering when we're planning to have our next uh, get together as soon as yeah we, we, we yeah we'll see <laughs> <laughs>
1: all right peace out people
2: possible. yes <laughs> we wanted we wanted we're gonna do these weekly we want to transition to doing twice a week but uh we need to first get i think on the ground with getting these out weekly to make sure that that's um, that we can get more uh more frequent we should also transition to making them about half hour shows instead of hour shows but this is kind i mean of, i like think by the time we
1: is. edit it down it'll, we'll get to 40 minutes, right? <laughs> well,
0: know. you can, you can start by deleting all of my comments.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, this is a, uh, no, no, see, this, you're, this you're is the star, special, man. This is a special launch edition, uh, double the, double the time. Yeah. All right. Yeah, Thank you enough. guys. <laughs> Peace. <laughs> Peace.
1: Thank you for listening to clean tech talk. Join us next time